Give thanks for the power of redemption, from Genesis to Revelation, for the endless promises of a God who would rather sacrifice his son than give up on his children, for nail-pierced hands, for brilliant dawns, for the cool touch of rain and the simplicity of a quiet day, for all things great and small, let us give thanks. Can you guys believe that it is Thanksgiving week already? Wow, it is upon us. If you're not ready, get ready because you are going to have more people showing up at your house or you're showing up at their house, so get ready for it and all that you need to do to prepare for an amazing time with friends and family this week. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor here, and it's my privilege today to walk you through a story in the Bible that reminds us of the need for thankfulness in our lives because we all have much to be thankful for. I'm thankful for my wife who loves me and forgives me over and over and over again. I'm thankful for my kids and how my girls are growing up and they're so beautiful and how my son can grow a beard. And, um, you know, sometimes you got to thank God for things that you don't really like, you know. My girls are growing up and they're so beautiful and my boy, he's got a hairy face. But I, I thank God for my kids and who they're becoming and how they're figuring out God's call on their life and how they're figuring out what it looks like for them to walk with Jesus personally. I'm thankful that I'm coming up on 30 years, three decades of believing in Jesus and living the changed life that Jesus brings. I mean, for the record, I was three years old when I believed in Jesus. Coming up on 30 years now. Nobody believes that story, right? I was 17 years old when I believed in Jesus. I'll save you the math. That makes me 47 right now. And I'm thankful for three decades of walking with Jesus because I know that he is growing me and changing me and using me. I'm thankful that I get to lead and love this family called Parkway. I couldn't imagine a more loving, generous, faith-driven group of people. I mean, y'all are the best church that I could ever dream of pastoring and investing my life in and doing life with. So thank you for who you are. You know, I asked for some of you to share what you were thankful for. And some share, you know, God, I'm just thankful for everything. One said, I'm thankful for Parkway, and they're accepting my nephews, and thank you that you're such a loving group of people. Some say, thank you for my job and for health and for my family and my church. Some people drive a little deeper, and they say, I'm thankful for the hardship and struggle that God is bringing me through right now. For I know when I come out, he will have me shining with his glory. Some drive deep and they say, I'm thankful for the trials in my life and in the lives of my family and friends, several of whom are struggling relationally and financially and emotionally and physically. His love has no boundaries. And each person is ministered to through the providence of God. I'm so thankful to be a witness to his faithfulness. I'm reminded of my need to depend upon him for everything. See, we are a people who have much to thank Jesus for. Because whether we are thanking him just for the life that we get to live, and we get to live some pretty amazing lives, or we're thanking him for the life that he's given us in Jesus, that unmerited grace, the unmerited favor of God, 
or we thank him for some relationships that make our lives rich, or maybe we even have learned to thank God that in the difficulties and trials and struggles in life, he is faithful. We have much to thank Jesus for. And today, as we open up the Bible, I want to just ask you this question. Are you living your life with thankfulness and gratitude to God? Thanksgiving is a great annual checkup to see how you're doing, to see how we're doing, living lives of gratitude and thankfulness. It's like that annual car inspection to see whether or not you need to get a new car. Okay, that was a joke because in my family, we take it and we're thinking there's going to come a day when they say, we're not going to inspect this thing and let it roll anymore. You need to get rid of it. But okay, if you don't understand hurt humor, you just don't understand it. But that was really funny in my head. Not so much out there. But right here, I'm still laughing. And you're giving me that pity laugh, so I'm going to continue on with the Bible. Thanksgiving is one of those opportunities that annual inspection of your heart and your life where you can ask that question, God, am I living with gratitude? And there's a story in Scripture that challenges us because some of us will have God do great things on our behalf and we will not return with thankfulness. Some of us will have healing. Some of us will have life. Some of us have God's provision and not return with thankfulness. How do I know that? Because there's a story in Scripture where Jesus teaches us about us and about our need to live with thankfulness and gratitude. There are ten men that come to Jesus as he's on his way to Jerusalem. That's what the Bible says in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. This is a real place in a real time. And Jesus is traveling, and he comes up on ten men. Verse number 12. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood out at a distance, and they called him in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So Jesus was coming up to a village, and there were ten men outside that village who called to Jesus with a loud voice. From a distance, they called to Jesus. Why did they call from a distance? Because they had a devastating disease. They had leprosy. Leprosy turned normal people into outcasts. Leprosy turned people that were friends and family one moment uh, to people that couldn't be seen, couldn't be touched, couldn't be encountered on a daily basis. They went from living in a community to living in a colony separate from their town, separate from their village. They went from living with healthy people to being surrounded by sick people. And they called to Jesus from a distance. And Jesus had worked in people's lives, both up close and from a distance, again and again and again and again, we read in the Gospels. He welcomed sick people to come near him, and yet from a distance, these ten men called. And they called, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. As they went... They were cleansed. So these men that were social and religious outcasts call to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And there was only one way for Jesus to have pity on these people, and that would be to heal them. 
There was only one way for Jesus to have pity on these men to return them from being outcasts, to be included in the community, to return them from being surrounded by the sick, to be surrounded by the people that they know and love. There was only one way for these people to have the pity of Jesus, and that would be for him to heal them of their leprosy. And what was Jesus' response? He didn't reach out from a distance and say, you are healed. He didn't reach out and, and with a voice say, leprosy be gone. What did he do? He said, go show yourself to the priests. Now this in and of itself would be a rules violation. These men were not welcomed in the religious community. These men would not be welcomed by the priests. And yet Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. So Jesus says, go, they go, and as they are going, they are healed. Can you imagine what that would be like to be walking along the border of Judea and Samaria, and then all of a sudden you look at your buddy who was once sick with leprosy, and you look and you see that his health has been restored, his body has been restored. You look and you go, dude, you look so much better. And he looks at you and says, dude, so do you. And then you look around the circle and you realize that everybody, all ten have been healed. None have been missed by the grace and the power of God. All have been healed. And so you've got ten men that were once outcasts that are now healed. You've got ten men that were once sick who are now healthy. You've got ten who cried to Jesus. How many will return to him? One of them. Verse 15, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. So get this math. 10% returned to say thanks to God. You say, Mike, you are quick with the math. One in 10 returned to say thanks. 100% were healed. 10% said thanks. 10 were healed. One returned. And some would say, Mike, surely Jesus doesn't notice. He is healing so many. He is saving so many. You realize in today's day and age, Jesus still works as we pray and he heals Jesus still works as we cry out to him by faith and he saves us. And some would say, Jesus is so busy. He doesn't count those that return to say thanks. Well, let me tell you, Jesus counts the thanksgiving. Why? Because we matter to him. You are not just a number to God that Jesus is blessing. You are a person that he loves. You aren't just a number that God has granted life to. You matter to God. And that's why you and I must realize that our thankfulness to God matters to him. Jesus counts. Verse 17. Jesus asked, and this is after the man threw himself at his feet. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise up and go. 
Your faith has made you well. See, the challenging point to this story is to realize that in this story, you and I are the lepers. You and I are the ones who have been healed by Christ, forgiven by Christ. Our faith has made us well. The question isn't whether or not we are lepers who have been made right with God. The question is, are we a part of the 10% that says thanks? Will we be the ones who return and say thanks to Jesus for all that he's done and for all that he's doing in our lives? Not everyone lives a life of gratitude before the Lord. Even those of us who have been blessed with amazing families. Even those of us that have been blessed with jobs that we love and people that we care for around us. Not everybody lives with gratitude. Even those of us who have been changed by Jesus and have seen him grow us over the decades. Not everybody lives with gratitude. But Jesus calls us to live with gratitude as he looks and says, is there just going to be this Samaritan that says thanks? This outsider? As we look at the story, our story here with these ten lepers, how do we say thanks to Jesus with our lives? Well, the first way I want to encourage you to say thanks to Jesus with your life is to say thanks with your obedience. You can fill in that first blank. You're going to say thanks to Jesus with your obedience. Church, I hope you realize that every small act of obedience is a huge statement of thankfulness to God. That when you obey Jesus, big or small, you are living your life of gratitude. Last week, I challenged the church. And I said, we must be careful not to be believers, as Jude teaches, that pervert the grace of God by using God's grace as a license for immorality. When we live lives of obedience to God, we are living lives of gratitude to God. This leper, what did he do? He came back to Jesus. You and I in our relationship with Jesus need to continue to return to his will and to his word so that we live our lives in obedience to God. So we live our lives in relationship with God. Second way that we live lives of gratitude is that we worship God. You can fill in that blank. We say thanks to God through our worship. This leper came back to God, and what's the Bible say? It says that he came back to God, praising God in a loud voice. I'm so glad that he didn't come back to Jesus praising God in a good voice. Because if he came back praising God in a good voice, only a few of us could worship. But he came back praising God in a loud voice. Friends, you and I, if we have been saved, if you and I have been healed, if you and I have been blessed, if you and I have been given a mission by God in the world around us, we must, with a loud voice, declare his goodness and declare our thankfulness. That is an act of worship unto God. Third, we live our lives saying thanks through dependence upon God. Thank God with your dependence. Did you see how this leper walked up to Jesus? He walked up to Jesus and he threw himself at the feet 
of our Savior. This wasn't the first time that Jesus encountered a person and they ended up at his feet. Remember the woman who let her hair down and used a year's worth of wages, perfume that would have cost a year's worth of wages to wash the feet of our Savior using her hair as well. See, when people throw themselves at the feet of Jesus as a statement of total and utter dependence upon him. And when we live a life of gratitude, we are living a life of dependence upon our Savior. Friend, every time you voice that prayer and you depend upon him, you're saying, thank you, God, that you know me and love me and that I matter. Thank you, God, that you're all-powerful. And thank you, God, that you are trustworthy. He hears those prayers and he acts accordingly. Fourth way that we live with thankfulness is that we show our thankfulness with generosity. This leper returned to Jesus and he thanked Jesus. He said thank you. And as we look at a church growing as disciples, it means that we grow in the grace of giving, we grow in the grace of generosity. I don't know why the other nine didn't return to say thanks to Jesus. But that one looked and said, I will give him my time. I will return to him. I'm not going to run to see the people that I've missed for so long. I'm going to give him my time. I'm going to give him my energy. It, It takes effort to walk and to run the distance that he was walking and running back to Jesus. You say, do you think he was running? I think he was running. Why? When you've been healed, you were running back. You were returning as quick as possible. He said, I'm going to give you my time. I'm going to give you my energy. And then we as a church are challenged to give to God generously, financially as well. I'm going to give to God what's his, my energy, my time, and my resources as he shared with me. I'm going to say thanks to God by being generous. And then lastly, we say thanks to God by living a life of service. Jesus said, rise and go. Your faith has healed you. And friends, Jesus said, you go live your life. And you know what that man would tell everyone he came into contact with? One day, me and these nine guys were walking. And we heard about the teacher, the one that could work miracles, coming into the village near us. And we called out to him, and he healed all of us. I was the only one that returned. And he showed me that he loved me and cared for me. He said that my faith had made me well. To go up and live and tell others about me is what my life is all about now. I'm going to live a life of service. That's the call of God on your life and on mine. Will you be the one that returns to Jesus with thankfulness? Will you be the one that fights for gratitude and thankfulness within your family? As an American, Thanksgiving feels like it's just a normal part and has been a part of our country from its very formation. In fact, some of us believe that. Some of us believe that when the pilgrims came, they were scared of the cold winter and they didn't have food. And so the Indians came and they had a party and they played football against each other and the Cowboys won. Like we think that's what the first Thanksgiving was all about. 
And it's partially true. That happened. That's a historical moment. But it didn't happen from that day forward. Like after the pilgrims and the Indians had their first Thanksgiving feast, it didn't happen year after year after year after year after year. And the, the, the eating and the football and the shopping, the eating and the football and the shopping, that didn't become a pattern. In fact, it wasn't until George Washington, after the Constitution was signed, after he declared the first Thursday in November an official holiday for our country to say thanks that year. It wasn't revisited again at a national level until the Constitution was signed. And then it went away, except for the fight of one woman, Sarah Joseph Hale. She fought for our country to have a day of thanksgiving. For 30 years, she went to president after president after president and said, our country must remain thankful to God. And it wasn't until Abraham Lincoln in 1863 that Sarah Joseph Hale got the audience she was looking for. And he declared a day of thanksgiving on the last Thursday in November. And since then, president after president has declared that same day of thankfulness, that same day of national gratitude to God, because one person fought for thanks. Friends, in our lives, let's be the one in our family that fights for gratitude. Let's be that believer that returns to Jesus and declares that we trust him and depend upon him and obey him and live for him. Let's be the one that has been healed and says thanks to God for all that he's done. As you think and pray, let's do it together right now. Father, we thank you for the chance to open our Bibles and to learn and to grow together today. God, I pray you help us as we look to live lives of gratitude towards you. Lord, we thank you for the good times in life, for the victories. We thank you for the challenges and the struggles. And Lord God, I pray now that you would help us to be people, believers, disciples of Christ that return to you again and again and again and again to say thanks for all that you've done and for all that you're going to do. Church, maybe you need to use this time to write a note of thankfulness to God. You can write that note as you commit to him in this moment and then place it in one of the boards in just a moment. As the church prays and commits to the Lord, if you're here and you've never believed in Jesus for life, I encourage you to make today your day. The Bible says that you're a sinner who needs a Savior and that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And the Lord Jesus invites you to believe and to find life in him and him alone. If today's your day, you can mark it with a prayer. You can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a Savior and that you are the Savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life. 